Welcome to the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Starr. I got Matthew Tyen here. Uh, how you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Great to have you. We had an interesting Suns-Spurs game. Uh, we'll start off. Uh, this. The Spurs pulled away at the end uh, and had a 15-point um, final here. Uh, earlier in the morning, I was thinking it'd be a blowout since the Suns recalled Alan Williams, Derek Jones Jr., and, uh, and Tyler Ulis from Prescott Valley and their D-League team. They played, uh, I think, last night. So, I, I, I mean, most I think the Spurs have won most of the games in the last, at least all the games, maybe about one in the last four or five years. So you don't expect much out of a Sun-Spurs game at this, at this time. Uh, but So what do you think of the game? Well, I mean, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, the Spurs were on the second night of a back-to-back, so you didn't exactly know who was going to be playing. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge sat last night, so you expected, obviously, that he would be playing tonight. He was sitting last night for rest purposes, so they were doing this on purpose. But, uh, you know, when we got uh, word this afternoon, when I got, you know, in my email that the Spurs were not, there was no injury report. Uh Sometimes, sometimes uh, on, on these ba- in these back-to-back situations, they end up disclosing information and saying, uh, you know, so-and-so isn't traveling or so-and-so is going to rest. And they didn't provide any of that this afternoon. So it was interesting to see that. Uh, and sure enough, nobody was sitting. I mean, the Spurs were, were in full force uh, uh, for this game tonight. Uh They've been pretty good in clutch situations, especially in the fourth quarter. They've been, uh, they've had their struggles to start games. That's been a really big uh, sticking point with Greg Popovich over the course of the year. They haven't been good to start games. Uh, the Suns, while uh, they're they're obviously very young and inexperienced, uh, that's certainly a team that can put up some points, and and they did early on. I mean, they got out in front of the Spurs, uh, but San Antonio responded. Uh, I think they've responded ever since Greg Popovich called them out against the Bulls. Uh, Gosh, I guess that was, uh, uh, wow, I can't even remember, Uh, last Friday night, maybe, uh, on ESPN. Um, But... Uh, you know, I think I think it was interesting. Uh, the 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 Spurs and the Suns have actually had some pretty interesting matchups the last couple of years. Um, I think when it comes to when it comes to guys like Booker and Bledsoe, um, just in general, and, and guys like Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler has given the Spurs problems his entire career. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not exactly the same guy he once was, but he's given the Spurs problems his entire career. Uh, on the second night of a back-to-back in Phoenix, uh, this wasn't one that I anticipated would be a blowout. Um, it, and I wouldn't say it was a blowout. It was just sort of the Spurs doing their thing in the fourth quarter and uh, uh, kind of locking down, uh, getting the ball in, in, in Aldridge's and uh, Leonard's hands and letting them do the deal. Uh, so kind of par for the course for the Spurs but uh, certainly no no slight on the on the Suns they're they're uh, they're a fun team to watch mm-hmm. just in general they they are a very fun team to watch but this is sort of what the Spurs do best uh, against teams that are 
that are much less experienced than them. They 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 put them down in the fourth quarter, and that's uh, like I said, uh, pretty much par for the course. Yeah, it was. I mean, the the Suns had a no uh, Alex Len today, which was really right. coming handy with Chandler's foul trouble. And Len has been so aggressive lately; he might have done a better job on Deadman uh, in the second unit there. Um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Deadman, Deadman was causing some havoc. I mean, uh, he's without, going up without Chandler on the floor, uh, when when the Suns had that second unit in, uh, they were really small, um, and it wasn't. You know, there were there were moments where it was Gasol, Aldridge, Deadman. Just they all had their sort of moments where you could tell, like, look, Dudley can't out rebound Gasol. Uh, you know, these these guys who are put in these positions are not going to be able to to deal with the size that San Antonio has. So, uh, really, uh, it was a, it was a good game <laughs> for a long time. Uh, so, uh, no, nothing, nothing against the Suns. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to deal with that size when you're missing a guy like Alex Lynn, who's a seven footer himself and a very talented seven footer at that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard when you, instead of, instead of Len, who is good, but not amazing, and Chandler, who's like right. 34, you're playing Marquise Chris, who's been playing basketball for five years, right, and is right. like as thin as a bean pole. Like he's so he's so thin, but he's he, he saw it, he can jump and he has timing. Oh yeah, he has oh, yeah. timing. He had a, he had a couple of moments. He had a couple of moments in this game where you're like, oh, uh, some of the, the majority of the Spurs front court cannot match up with that guy athletically. Yeah, and, uh, and but, Bender but too. Skill wise and, and intelligence wise. He's just too young. Uh, he's fun to watch, though. That's for sure. Yeah, and then also Bender getting his stuff going. Amazing that they right. got them both in the top ten in the same draft. Uh, before I before I go any farther, I keep forgetting to bring this up. The uh, someone passed away today in the NBA here, the family, and uh, it was pretty hard. I want to hear your thoughts on that and uh, what Popovich said about it. Uh, yeah, I I. I can't put it into words as well as Pop does. Uh, he's he's very good at that. Um, but this is uh, Sager passing away, and we've you know I think that I think that for a while we've seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're talking about someone who had three bone marrow transplants, and and uh, that's essentially unheard of, um, and and. A lot of general reports are that it's never been done. Mm. Um, he fought a lot. He was uh, an, an absolutely critical uh, piece of the NBA family, and mm-hmm. and you never you never really say that about the media types. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this this guy this guy resonated beyond just. Uh, the guys we see on TV, the guys we listen to on TV, the guys we listen to on radio. This guy was, um, this guy was bigger than that. He he had a relationship with players. He had a relationship with coaches. Um, obviously, as someone who covered the Spurs for years, uh, the 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 Popovich Sager relationship was always one we enjoyed, mm-hmm. that we loved to see. Like everyone, right? Everyone would tune in to see the Greg Popovich, Craig Sager uh, sideline reports. Because like he was the only one who was in, nice in, to. 
I mean, I mean, everyone. Even if I'm sitting in uh, in the building on press row, like I'm opening my laptop and trying to stream it uh, because I can't see it myself. Um, I can see it, but I can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I think we lost a guy who who was such a great connector of people just uh someone who who was able to relate not just to the to the normal human being to the fan of the nba not someone who was just able to to uh make fans happy to bring enjoyment to fans but made players happy made coaches happy made front office types happy when he got a chance to talk to them like this this guy was uh was somebody who connected the the normal individual, um, the normal NBA fan, uh, to the players, mm-hmm. like to the coaches. Like he was somebody who who treated everybody the same way. Um, he 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 loved to talk to. Uh, inexperienced reporters, and it, like like myself, and I had a couple of. He doesn't know. I, he wouldn't have remembered me from Adam. I don't think. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he would have. He seems like the kind of guy that maybe he would have. But um, he was somebody who could connect the typical NBA fan to the typical NBA superstar. Um, and talk to each one of them with the same sort of respect uh, and, and love and uh, level of caring uh, that you don't really find a whole lot when it comes to uh, NBA coverage. And um, I think that's going to be that's going to be missed. And um, it's it's really really difficult to hear of this today and uh the outpouring of support i mean immediately not just from the media but from players yeah i saw it was amazing was was unbelievable and and i think that sort of resonates i think that's something that you look at and say like you know this guy clearly clearly meant uh more to a lot of people um than, you know, someone that you don't even really know. Someone that you don't even really know, like, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you felt like you knew him personally, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you felt like even even if you didn't personally know him, <laughs> that uh, just from his uh, time on television and, and what we grew to knew, uh, grew, grew to know uh, was, was something important. And I think that says a lot about him. I think that says a lot about his career, and uh, I think most broadcasters, most reporters, most um, uh, personalities in the media uh, wish they could have that sort of lasting impact. And uh, so, uh, rest in peace, Craig Sager, man. He's, he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed a lot. Exactly. He was a bright clothes, bright personality. Really good yeah. at his job. He was famous for the bright clothes and his amazing suits, but he was just such a professional and so bright and such a just 
a really great person. So it's, I was sad to see him gone today. Um, but yep. I just had to get that in there to, to not forget that. Um, let's uh, talk a little about the Suns before we get some story time and some, uh, some Spurs talk here. What do you uh, think about the Suns team in general, a couple of the players? You know, uh, I'm, I'm so up in the air about the Suns. Uh, I think, just in general, that, that they're like the guys that they have on this team. Man, uh, Devin Booker is one of the most talented 20-year-olds I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and as far as, as he has already developed uh, into a really solid NBA player, he's inconsistent. He's very inconsistent. Um, but I think that's sort of par for the course for guys his age. Um, I... It's just it's it's difficult to look back at what the Suns were a couple of years ago, and and I and I wrote about this for Bleacher Report uh, that the injury to Bledsoe put them back, uh, really sort of derailed a situation they were going like a, a direction they were going, and I felt that. The moves they made over the over the next off season were very strange, and I know this is probably something that you <laughs> and others who cover this team have discussed ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, far be it from me to, to supersede the um, at least put opinions uh, on this team in that regard, but. I look at the roster that they have at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of coach Earl Watson is. I really don't. I can't tell. I can't essentially tell what sort of specific system he's got going on. I, I, I'm, I sort of struggle to, um, to see the way this is developing. But I do see a lot of players who are very, very capable uh, of doing really good things as as individuals mm-hmm. uh interest like it we look at eric bledsoe and he's getting a little bit up like he's not as young as he used to be and it sounds crazy he's, he's it's not like he's old huh he's 25 yeah yeah no i mean it's it's not like he's old um it's it's just that i'm concerned about the uh, the knee issues. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about the issues he's had in the past with injuries, um, but at the same time, I mentioned earlier, man. I think Devin Booker is special. Um, I think that that Chris appears to have um, a certain level of NBA competence and certainly athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've seen like flashes where I really like Alex Len, and I've seen flashes where I don't. Yep. Um, uh, it, it seems to be fairly inconsistent with that guy, but uh, I, I think that the talent level is there, and I just at this point I think they're just a big puzzle, and 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 I'm not sure 
where they're going with it. Um, I think that at this point, you know, especially once once they uh, shed the contracts of guys like Dragic and uh, Isaiah Thomas in the last couple of years, I don't know why they did the Thomas thing in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. That's in the past. Uh, I think that they've put themselves in a position where if they are careful uh, that there is a ceiling that is high for them. They have talent that they're building. Uh, They're going to need a lot more, that's for sure. Um, And hopefully uh, Bledsoe stays healthy because if he does, he's a super valuable asset. He's a hell of a player. Um, And I hope he does stay healthy. I hope that Mm -hmm. the, the, the course that he took um, in terms of, I mean, literally removing uh, cartilage from his knee and 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 electing to not like repair that, basically. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, uh, but it's it's going to be an interesting situation going forward because they're going to have to to, to draft really well. Um, they're going to have to, uh, you know, Phoenix is, is a place where you can you can bring free agents in there. People are going to be attracted to play in Phoenix. That's mm-hmm. that's not, uh, they've got a great reputation as an organization. Uh, uh, maybe not from, uh, you know, a lot of people might feel like the ownership situation uh, has never really been great. Um, but people do like to play in Phoenix for multiple reasons. Um, and one of which is that training staff. Uh, so, and, and, and obviously location. Uh, but you know, I think, I think that they've, they've done a, uh, considering all the sort of, I don't know, tumult that they've been in. Like it's, it's, it's been, sort of a tumultuous couple of years and I think coming out of that uh, with what has so far been a healthy Bledsoe uh, Brandon Knight hasn't been very good this year uh, I you know that I don't know if that's a blip uh, it's my and, timeline for everything on him he's the one guy that I just kind of have a thing with but uh it's tough, man. I mean, you, like, he's expensive. Uh, so, so whenever you have a guy who's not shooting the ball well at all, I mean, what is he like? Uh, low to mid thirty percent from the floor, just in general. Like he, he's been, it's he's been pretty tough. Um, I, I kind of but, explain it as like you'll have one game where he will win you the game, but about four will he'll lose it yeah. for you. Like, I don't know, I think it was the end of the half or end of the third quarter where he had the ball, they were, it was it was like 15 seconds left, and I put, on, put this on Twitter, he did, he made four mistakes in one play. He, <laughs> like, on offense in one, with him having the ball, I think. He and did, I, don't, and I know, don't think he's that bad. He's not like, bad. Yeah, he's, he's not a bad like, player. He, no, he's not. Like, he's, he, he, I mean, he showed that he can play. So it's been kind of a weird season for him. Because he's, he's on the uh, bench now, but he's not starting over Booker or Bledsoe because they're way yeah. more stable, they're way, more, they're way smarter, they're better defenders. They're, so it's not happening there. 
And back to your point earlier, McDonough, the GM, is now, now that he's been brought in, um, they yeah. have talent. So if you, I don't know if you remember, like 2012, they were full of old, not good players. Now they're actually full of oh, yeah. decent, good, pretty young players. I mean, they have four 20-year-olds on under 20, 20 year olds and old, younger on their team right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing a ton minutes. of really young guys. I mean, so, Len's only like, 23, yeah. Warren's like 22, I mean, and then Booker just turned 20, Bender just turned 19, Chris just turned 20, and Ulis is 20. So it's like yeah, they're getting significant yeah. minutes from a bunch of teenagers pretty much, and so it's kind of hard to see what it is. You're right, Watson's not a bad coach. He really has the culture, though. I don't know if you've heard him speak much, but I would I would definitely recommend it. I feel like just trying to run through a wall for him or something just by hearing him talk for five minutes. Really... And that's good. And that's good for like, uh, especially for young for young players, like that sort of motivational coach. I think we saw that uh, just as a as an example. I think we saw that with the Warriors and Mark Jackson. Like Mark Jackson was very clearly not. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not not a great X's and O's coach. Um, he was very old school, uh, from the sense that uh, man, I remember I remember uh, the Spurs Warriors series that I saw in person uh, in oh gosh, I guess this is two thousand twelve thirteen, uh, the year where the Warriors really sort of busted out, where mm-hmm. Steph Curry really sort of busted out. And he would just post up whoever Tony Parker was guarding. And it was sort of like, I was looking at it like, man, Steph Curry went for 40, 44 in one game. Uh, Clay Thompson went for 37 in the first half of another game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was because they were hitting threes. But this guy just seems to keep wanting to post up Tony Parker and shoot mid-range jumpers. And, and this is playing right into right into the Spurs' hands. Um, and this is this is not like a comparison uh, with Earl Watson, but rather uh, the comparison of like the run through a wall for your uh, for your coach sort of guy. Like that Warriors team loved Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. If you remember when, when he was fired, like these guys, were those mad. guys were, were uh, they were apoplectic essentially. Like they were, they were, uh, really upset with the fact that that Mark Jackson was fired because they loved that guy. And I think uh, in this situation, and again, I uh, this is not me saying anything about what, uh, what Earl Watson's system is because I... Too early. Uh, have, I have not watched enough of it, and, mm-hmm. and also... Like you've mentioned, this is a super, super young team. So it's basically impossible to have a system. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, system, uh, systems evolve because of culture. And, (laughs) and, and you're talking about a team that does not have a culture yet. Uh, because it's essentially impossible to have a culture. And really, culture so, is like important here because of the Marquise Morris stuff. Like, it is important yes. that the team is yeah. together, the team is on the same page, which is why the Barbosa and Dudley super throwback vintage sign- re-signings are just like the best thing. Like, I am so happy that they're on the team now. 
Um, yeah. Like it just yeah. it really is a feel good. Like you actually can get on board. There's no tension. They can grow. You're seeing Marquise like asking oh, anybody, so t- asking him like questions and timeouts. Like we're seeing actual growth of players and like togetherness that you don't see in a lot of. I don't, I don't think you're seeing a lot of teams and even in the teams that are winning because like I don't know. So it's like something that you need to build from the bottom up. Oh yeah. Oh oh no no I mean, no question. Uh, look, you're I mean you're talking. You're talking to someone who has covered the team with probably the best culture uh, in the Ever. NBA. In and, sports? <laughs> uh, in sports, maybe. And it, it, I can't, I cannot even tell you um, how crucial it is. And this isn't just me watching the games. This is me talking to guys in the locker room, like, off the record, just asking questions about this stuff. Like, how, how important is it that Tim Duncan is still practicing with the team and he's retired. Um, like uh, it's stuff like this that these guys just they it's different this year. Uh, I think I think when it comes to the Spurs, they've been sort of feeling uh, feeling their oats a little bit more. I think Tony Parker has been a guy who has been taking more of a leadership role than he has in the past and that's saying something because he was in control of the team for for a couple of years during his prime um but really more now than ever he's been he's been like uh you know whatever the situation is on the court he's been you know grabbing lamarcus and talking to him or or uh even Kawhi, like this, like Tony still uh, on the court runs that show, and, and they all respect him. So, and it and it's it's funny when you when you think about it that way because hell, Kawhi and Lamarcus are the two best players on the Spurs, and and Tony, while he has his days where he's still good. Uh, really good, and like he was pretty solid tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's he's not what they are, but they still respect the things that he says. And and when things don't work out in a certain set or uh, a certain possession, Parker and a lot of times this is after the cameras cut out. He goes over and like grabs Lamarcus by the jersey or grabs Kawhi. And it's like, hey, like this is this is what went or Pau Gasol. Like this is what went wrong. This mm-hmm. is what happened uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. So that culture is still there, and uh, I mean, I can't, I cannot even express uh, in words how important. That culture is. Uh, it is. It is what. It is the reason the Spurs are still doing this sort of thing. Like without Tim Duncan, they're still doing this. They're still, uh, you know, in the top three or four teams in the NBA. I mean, that's why. Uh, that's still... why the, the culture instilled from the top down, from ownership to GMs to Popovich. That's why since yeah. they drafted Tim Duncan, they haven't lost. I mean, they've won more than 50, 50 more more games. Every year for over a decade and a half, that's yep. dominance. That's that's the culture instilled of hard work, of accountability, and how to how to do that. I mean, just how to play basketball the right way. 
Yeah. Sure. I wanted to get into some some specific players. Um, obviously, first we'll start with Tim Duncan. He retires after a long storied career. Um, I do want to get some stories from, but first, more importantly, I, he's never. I don't think he's ever been listed as a center in his entire okay. life, even though he's actually uh, a center. I want to hear about think, that from a Spurs guy. See, I, I think he was. Uh, I think he was like really late in his career. I think that there were times where he was, but um, I personally, for the most part. Um, have always cons- considered him a power forward, um, mm-hmm. and and I and I know that this is <laughs> this is this is controversial because I know that a lot of people do not. But I'm telling you, the guys he played with along the way, if you if we like flipped roles with a with all of the guys he played with along the way, if we flipped roles, there is no way in hell. That you would consider Rasho Nesterovich a power forward, <laughs> uh, uh, Nazi Mohammed a power forward, Tiago Splitter a power forward. That's... Like none of these guys are power forwards. So, and we're and we're talking about uh, a situation where, you know, I think I think people generally spoke about Tim Duncan as a center because he defended the rim a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, really, honestly. Like Tiago Splitter was defending a lot of the rim yeah. uh, in his late, time in San Antonio. But that was late. But, that's late career Tim Duncan. I mean Tiago Splitter oh, is no, kind of late. But early, right? but early Tim Duncan. Duncan was the one ranging when Robinson was there. Duncan was yeah. the one ranging when when uh, when Nesterovich was there. Duncan okay. was the one ranging uh, when Nazi Muhammad was there. Like. Uh, it was only really the last few years where it was Duncan who was sort of the uh, the last line of defense. When like they were he playing def- with only guards, he was <laughs> he was defending the rim because he was not mobile enough to, to go out and chase guys. Yeah. I mean, like, and 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 even still, uh, on the offensive end, Duncan was still the one at the elbow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Tiago Splitter. It wasn't it wasn't Kurt Thomas or Nazi Mohammed or Rasho Nesterovich at the elbow. It was Duncan. That's because Duncan um, has more skills than all of them put together. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah. it's just such it's such a funny conversation to me, and I don't really care either it's way. Funny. That's you call what I'm him about, a yeah. center or a forward. It doesn't matter. He's still one of the, in my mind, he's still one of the top five players who's ever played the game. Uh, I think I think he would have I think his numbers would have been so so much bigger than they were uh, had he played the minutes that those other guys did. But Greg Popovich kept him on the bench for so many minutes. But which is why uh, they have championships. <laughs> it's why they kept winning, and it's why they kept winning up until he was thirty eight, thirty nine years old. So yeah. it was uh, to me. Uh, when I think about Duncan and when I think about what he was in his prime, if if it doesn't matter in that in that era, power forward and center were fairly similar. It mm-hmm. wasn't the sort of power forward that we have today, where it's like guys shooting from the three point line. Um, but Tim Duncan could make any shot on the floor, and I think people forget that. Like I think people forget how. Uh, how 
Um, so I was about to curse, but how really unbelievably good he was um, and how athletic he was. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something because of the fact he played for so long and we, we have so many, you know, uh, memories of him playing as a mid mid to late 30s player that we forget what he was when he was in his prime yeah. and it wasn't a center it yeah. was it was a pretty modern day power forward For and sure. uh, so yeah I'll I'll go to my grave defending the fact that Tim Duncan was a power forward He's, he yeah. wasn't a center he wasn't the same sort of dude that Shaq was that Bill Russell oh, yeah, was that yeah, Wilt yeah. Chamberlain was he was a much much different player he could range to the three-point line uh as evidence against your sons uh oh i was that up i was like oh my gosh the worst second of all time he doesn't make one for all season except when he makes a buzzer beating three from the from the farthest part of the court there's like it's like really they haven't even tried one all year basically that was ridiculous because that game was that game was over um and well, I don't even know what Shaq was doing on that play. Oh no! Like, like, what's the point? What's the point of chasing Manu down the lane when you're when you're up uh, when you're up by three and leaving Tim for uh, leaving Tim Duncan for a spot up three where he had all day? I'm sorry to bring it up. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry to bring it's it up. it's sad. <laughs> but then I'll just bring up 2010 and whatever, and we'll just okay. go from there. <laughs> Because okay. um, that, that week where the, the, I mean, the Spurs and the Lakers are the two Suns rivals by far. It's not even close. And uh, that week when they, with Goran Dragic went, he went out of his mind for a week and they oh, swept God. the Spurs oh, my God, man. for a, four straight games, I, complete drubbings. I, I, yeah. I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever had my jaw dropped lower uh, than I did. Uh, during that Dragic game, like I, I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, or was, or, or maybe it was that I wasn't prepared for anything mm-hmm. like that, and then it happened. And as it was happening, I'm just sitting there, uh, uh, just dumbfounded. Like, uh, what, what, what was it? Twenty three, twenty four points yeah, in like the four, something like that. I mean. Yeah. It, uh, and he it was, was like a second year was, player. He was, wasn't even like he was like he wasn't. That was before he like went to Houston and then came back and it was actually good. And the Spurs <laughs> drafted him. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when you see back those picks like that happened a long time ago, like I think the Suns drafted Luol Deng. You're just like, what? What happened? Why did we yeah, have right, him? Right. So back to uh, Tim Duncan. I want to hear some stories about him off the court. Kind of what's it like to be around Tim Duncan? Such a legend, probably the best power forward of all time, and such a great player, such a humble player. What is it like yeah. to be around him, his family? What's that like? Uh, so even even for the people who who were around him, like he was he was quiet. Uh, he was not someone who. Uh, you got a, a chance to talk to all that much. Um, and when you did, it was like, man, I wish this guy talked more. Um, there are a couple of moments that just sort of stick out to me. Uh, one, him walking in hand-in-hand hand with his daughter, his little girl, 
just sitting at his sitting at his uh, this is pregame, uh, just sitting at his locker, getting dressed, putting his stuff on, getting ready to go warm up, and she just sat there in her chair, and no one was talking to him. He just sat there and had his own space, uh, and and he and he just went out to the court little things like that where it's just this he has this personal space and and everyone sort of respected it um and then there were the other situations where he was a chicago bears fan uh he is a chicago bears fan (laughs) what yeah really he's a chicago bears fan and uh we would come in this was Oh man, this was so. This would be like in the spring when 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 the off season was going on, and uh, I walked in with Mike Monroe, who's a you know legendary uh, NBA reporter. Yeah, I got to get him on. Got to get him on the podcast. He's he's if you want stories, oh, if you want stories, my God, uh, get him on. He will he will blow me out of the water. So (laughs) this is gonna be. This is going to be small time compared to what he will give you. Um, but, I mean, that guy broke Michael Jordan's retirement. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we walked in and, uh, you know, uh, oh, Jared Allen was a longtime uh, Vikings defensive end. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, he signed with the Bears, mm-hmm, yeah. and, and I walked in and told, and told told Tim that he signed with the Bears, and Tim is a Bears fan. He just he just just scoffed and and just was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like the and the passion I saw in that, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I didn't even I didn't even expect that he would care this much about sports, but like he was he was so adamant and so like. He was, he was so upset that his team signed a defensive end from a rival team. Um, and then maybe one of my favorite ones, uh, we, we, had just, we had just finished interviewing uh, pregame Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. And we walked in and we were like, we were all kind of talking. We were like, is, is Brad Stevens younger than Tim? <laughs> and, Probably. And we're sitting there. We're sitting there as he's putting his his stuff on, and and we're we're discussing it. And he was like, and he was like, "Holy crap, is he younger than me?" <laughs> and and I said, "Hold on, hold on." And I pull out my phone and I Google it, and sure enough, Brad Stevens is like five months younger than Tim Duncan. <laughs> I mean, now and though, it, now like just the other day, that um, it was the. Uh... Lakers, uh, I was talking to Jabari, Dav- uh, Jabari Davis of Basketball Insiders, and, yeah. uh, I mean, Watson's 37, and uh, Wa- and Walton's 36, so they're older than, like, Jason Terry, just, like, around. Oh, yeah. It's like oh, they're yeah. three years older. And, and yeah, this was, at a, this was a Spurs-Celtics game, and we were like, oh, my God, I think this guy's younger than Tim. And, and we brought it in there, and, and he's like, okay, you got to check this out. I Googled it, and I looked at him, I was like, He's younger than you, and he just nodded, and he goes, "All right, you know what? Uh, whenever we're playing tonight, and he gripes about a foul, I'm gonna go over to him and pat him on the head and say, sit down, young man.'" <laughs> and and 
Uh, I mean, he, he was just, he, he was so, man, he was just, he was so unbelievably humble for somebody who was as good as, good as he is, like, mm-hmm. as he was. I mean, he, he had such ridiculous humility. That's um, the fundamental. And, and then some of the other funny situations were like, um, the, Spur, the Spurs are sort of notorious for um, their they're pretty tight with their with in terms of media relations like mm-hmm. you get to talk to guys for for a couple of minutes and then they, they you leave them alone um we had a couple of nights when tim when tim was playing like his patented move he'd come out of the this back area that the media wasn't allowed in so there'd be the locker room that's pretty small in san antonio but there's a there's a back area uh, where none of us have been. <laughs> Funny enough, none of us have been back there. So I have no idea how big it is back there, but I'm guessing it is because a lot of them spend a lot of time back there. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm guessing that's <laughs> built-in strategy. By design. Uh, yeah, by design. So uh, I remember one time uh, Manu came out. Manu does a very particular... Uh, he comes out, he sits in his chair, he puts a towel down, uh, he's all dressed, uh, his, he has his socks off, and he's, he puts his, his feet on the towel, and he puts his socks off, he, he, he's very particular about the way he does things, and then he stands up and addresses the media, um, and as he's doing this, Tim slinks in, and people always want to talk to Tim, of course. Uh, and he just leans against the wall, and, and it's the corner that he always leans against, but nobody saw him. Uh, we were all, there were, everybody was, everybody was talking to Manu, and I was kind of hanging back because I don't, I don't always get into the media scrums because, um, unless I'm looking for something in particular, I sort of just listen in, and, uh, I, I'm kind of standing in between, and I look back, and I see Tim standing there. And he just looks at me, and he stands there, and he just kind of looks around for about ten seconds or so, five or ten seconds, kind of looks back at me, and then he just waves, and then he just <laughs> walks out, and he's like, I'm done. And nobody and nobody saw him, and it's like this seven-foot dude in a plaid shirt. <laughs> a plaid shirt. And, and nobody saw him until he was walking out the door, but that was it. You weren't going to get him, so... Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, it, it was it was a it was a lot of fun with him in the locker room because uh, oh man and that's not even the like so that corner that he sat that he leaned against um, was Corey Joseph's old locker yeah and um, and whenever he came in like that was always where he took media interviews the same corner and <laughs> uh, he comes out one night. And he's leaning against there, and Corey Joseph comes out. He's just like in a towel, and he's like, uh, oh, I'm, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna like slip through here." And and this was a constant thing. Like Duncan would always screw with Corey Joseph because <laughs> that was Duncan's corner, and Joseph always had to like he was always at that locker, and uh, and he was always in the shot. Duncan would always make fun of him for being in the shot. Um, <laughs> He, he basically tortured him. Uh, Joseph had no... He would just kind of wait there until everybody... 
until everybody was gone. Oh my god. And he could actually like get dressed. Uh, but Duncan would just sit there and, and in the middle of the interview just kind of look at him and make fun of him. Um, That's great. <laughs> I have, I have, this is a, oh my god. This is a story that I have to tell. I think the, I think the, I don't think that this is, um, now that he's not on the Spurs anymore, I think I can do it. Do it. Uh, I think the statutes of limitations are up, but, uh, whatever. If I get in trouble for this, I'll have to talk to the, <laughs> the media relations guys for this, but, yeah. um, so, the Spurs do their camouflage uh, uniform oh, yeah. days, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they do a couple of them uh, a- a- every year. They do a couple. They have their camo uniforms. Um, the uh, San Antonio is the is the biggest uh, military based city in the United States. Mm-hmm. There are more there are more people in the military base in San Antonio than anywhere in the country. Um, so. They do this a couple of times a year. And we walk in to the locker room pregame, and, oh, I miss him. Boris Diaw oh. uh, is, he, he, he's just like in his underwear when we walk in, and they're, and they're, they're camouflage. And everybody's got all this camouflage stuff. Like, everybody's sort of decked out. And, uh, you know, we ask, we ask Boris, we're like, you know, uh, what's up with you? Got socks uh, camouflage. You got your your underwear camouflage. Your undershirt camouflage. <laughs> uh, but there was sort of a certain focus on his underwear, and we're like, why the hell do you have camouflage boxers on? <laughs> and he and he just goes, hey, you never know when you're going to have to take your pants off. <laughs> and <laughs> what? <laughs> That's great. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we can all relate to that, I guess. Uh, we can't, but uh, Bobo, you're living a different life than the rest of us. I mean, that, uh, that, that story about him, like, just having a cappuccino and then, like, just, like, dunking yeah. casually when someone says you're not athletic. Just, like, dunking yeah. flip-flops. You're just like, what? No. who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, was, he was the greatest. Uh, he... There's there's another story with Bobo where I'm sitting against the the scorers table during warmups and he had he had just broken his le- uh, a finger on his left hand and he had this big old brace on it it was his middle finger and I'm like man I was like how are you playing with your left finger broken in, in a splint yeah. like n- no less um, and he and literally he's just he's sitting like. 30 feet from the basket just chucking shots up with one hand like he's not even he's just like doing his own thing he doesn't even care and and i and i ask him the question and he shoots like two more shots and i'm like i don't even know if he heard me and then he turns around and he sat down next to me and he goes i never lose i never use my left hand i never use my left hand like never oh my god and i was like Oh my god! I've never even look. noticed this. Yeah, like I've lose. never, I've never even noticed you never lose, you never use your left hand, and he doesn't. Like watch, watch him the next time the Jazz play. He never uses his left hand, and wow. it was just, it was just this, the most casual, like meh, 
maybe my finger's broken on my left hand. It doesn't matter. I never use it. <laughs> wow. So, um, wow, that's crazy. There, there were a lot of personalities. Uh, there were and are a lot of personalities on that team. It's it's uh, it's it's not always uh, publicized that way mm-hmm. or uh, you know brought about that way. But but yeah, it's it's been a fun team to be around for for the last few years. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see to see what happens this year to see to see where this team goes mm-hmm. um, I I think that they have um, I think they have more of a shot to beat the teams that are the premier contenders than a lot of people might think and especially after we saw uh, what happened on the opening night of the NBA uh, they're, they're so much bigger than the Warriors mm-hmm. um and uh, and now that Kawhi is sort of at a different level, uh, that I don't know makes a makes things a makes things a little bit more equal on the perimeter. Um, I, I I think that that this is a team that's capable of winning the title. I wouldn't pick them to. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd. Well. I would bet them to if the odds were good enough and mm-hmm. it was like a good payout or whatever. But like, uh, you're not gonna straight just, pick them. So yeah, just yeah. straight pick them. It, uh, it's 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 gonna be tough to look past uh, Golden State and uh, Cleveland yeah, at this point. Sure. But but there's they're gonna they're gonna be better. Uh, you know, if injuries don't play a part, they're going to be better by the time playoffs roll around and they're already pretty damn good so uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting team to watch this year because they're gonna have to deal with uh a lot of defensive changes without uh without the presence of tim duncan totally there's a lot more to say but i think i'm only have two more questions for you here okay i'll say them both and then i'll have you answer them individually one is manny ginobili a dirty player and have the spurs ever committed a foul I don't think Manu is a dirty player uh, at all. I think um, if you if you would have asked me like is was Bruce Bowen a dirty no. player, I would have <laughs> I would have I would have answered differently. But um, I don't think I don't think Manu was ever a dirty player. I think he if if you want to talk about flopping, that too. that's was, a different yeah. that's a different story. But I don't think that you can call him a dirty player i don't think he was ever looking to to hurt anybody or or anything like that um more sneaky fouling and like taking advantage of them he's obviously a savvy veteran but like yeah, definitely no, the no, flopping yeah, he, was, and... he, he was always definitely like looking uh, especially Offer- when he was younger he hasn't done it as much in the last few years because he can't physically afford to. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't. He he wouldn't have survived uh, until now had he, like, quite honestly, uh, he would not have survived until now had he been at what he used to be. Um, I I don't I don't see him as a dirty player, um, yeah. and very objectively, I don't see him as a dirty player. I yeah. think he was just. I, I think the flopping you can absolutely criticize him for he was sort of one of the uh 
honest, really one of the first. Yeah, the first. Who, yeah. Who, who really embraced it, mm-hmm. um, sort of embellishing the the foul calls, the charge calls, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Like he he absolutely was. Uh, but dirty, no, okay. I don't think Manu was ever dirty. Um, Bruce Bowen had his moments. He he karate kicked a dude in the face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wally yeah. Zerbiak, I believe it was. Oh, Wally Zerbiak, oh man. <laughs> then the question, <laughs> the other question stands is, based on their react or face reactions, have the Spurs ever committed a foul? Nah, yo, yeah. Uh, only a couple of times. Only a couple only of times. Only a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, whenever, whenever they raise the hand, that's that's when. That's when you know that it's. Uh, that's when you. That's, the real foul. That's that's when you know it's legit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the Duncan face is legendary. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 funny to watch. Uh, Kawhi only in the last few years has been. Uh, he doesn't commit many fouls. Actually, yeah, he's, he's really. He's sort of a monster. Disappointing. Um, but. Uh, but only until, like, really this year and last year has he actually been demonstrative about, like, when he feels he's wronged. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I actually love watching it because uh, prior to that, it's like this guy just – he was just quiet and he accepted everything. Yeah, he gets and, some emotion, some drive. And, and now and – now, and people sort of – always made fun of that, like Kawhi just doesn't say anything, he didn't say and I mean LeBron and Dwayne Wade and all of them said during the finals like he never talked, he never said anything to them, and now like you can see him um, being demonstrative and, and a lot of that comes from and this I love that <laughs> this, will, this, is, this is fun this will be funny uh, to Suns fans but a lot of that comes from the fact that Tim Duncan said, hey you need to speak, speak up, dude like you need to say something. You're a star in this league. You're a superstar. <laughs> so like, you need to say yeah. something. Yeah. I love uh, that. I love that meme of the two pictures next to each other of Kawhi dunking in a Spurs uniform when he's all mad, and then dunking the All Star game when he's like really happy. It's like, is he really? Is he like not happy as a Spur? But obviously, it's not that true. But it's, I love that meme because it's like he's all excited. He's like, I can dunk without any repercussions. I can make be a little bit flashy and smile without repercussions. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It is funny, uh, but and he, but man, he is uh, he's pretty much in a perfect place. Oh, for, uh, for him. I mean, he is he. There is not another place in the NBA that would be more perfect for for Kawhi Leonard at this point. And I mean, the fact that he has uh, he's. He's the sort of heir apparent, not even the heir apparent anymore. He's the heir to like Duncan's throne. Is is something that uh, that nobody saw coming, not even the Spurs. I mean, seriously, um, I want to talk, I want to talk about that for a second because he when he was a I mean, he was a Pacer. Uh, someone was mentioning. Imagine him and Paul George playing together, but oh, that's a whole oh. other thing. Um, but like he was he was so bad offensively his first couple of years. Like it was like. Oh, you might not even be a three and D guy because he can't shoot. I mean, you might be just be a D guy. Like you're going to be a well, defender. Well, he well he could shoot. Uh, that's that's the crazy thing. 
I mean, he he, yeah. he couldn't shoot in college, but yeah. his rookie year, that's he, I was shot looking, thir- yeah. he shot 38% from three, so that's, 37% so that's, from three. That's what I was looking at this t- today. I was looking at the shoe numbers, and yeah, he said he could shoot, but he didn't shoot like almost ever. He was so many. Oh yeah, no, no. Yeah. He was he was very low usage. So uh, like like he was essentially just a three and D guy. Uh, but the crazy, I mean, the craziest part about him is that he shot the ball from the three point line in college. Like, I mean, it was like twenty seven percent. Um, and that's a short three point line. And he had a crazy weird shot. Like it was almost Sean Marion. Like he had mm. it like really down low. And he kind of flicked it up. It was very weird. And this is right before the NBA lockout. Mm-hmm. And he came in and he worked with Chip England for literally like a, a two days, uh, something like that. Uh, wow. England went over film with him, worked with him for a couple of days. And then the lockout started and they didn't see each other for six months. Oh and he God. came back, and he came back and shot almost 40% from three that year. Yeah, his, and his percentages were the same, but, like, his usage went up basically a shot in a three every every, every oh, year he, per and game. He, and he keeps, and he basically either maintains or gets better in terms of efficiency. Yeah, like, it's amazing. It's been one of the, it's been one of the sort of, uh, honestly, man, and, and I don't, I don't, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not I'm not one that's like prone to hyperbole, but in terms of someone's development, uh, uh, I can't really remember anyone who has developed the way that he has in as long as I've watched basketball. Because we're talking about some like when you talk about efficiency, when you talk about shooting percentage, like even someone like Paul George. Who, that's what I was about to say. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, like like someone who like someone like Paul George who is in. An incredible player, like no, one of the best in the league. Uh, even when his usage percentage went up, his efficiency dropped quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, he came out and of nowhere, though. For Danny Granger was there, and he came out of nowhere, just like Kawhi has. Oh, he was great, but like this thing that Kawhi's doing, where it's like not only is his usage percentage going up, not only is his scoring, uh, po- uh, his points per game, or his points per game are going up, but he's, he's like, his efficiency is off the charts. I mean, he almost uh, got a 50-90, he's going to get a 40-50-90 season almost. Oh, last year was crazy, man. He shot, he shot almost 45% from three for the majority of the season. Like, and he was taking four or five per game. Like, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, he's, I, I've always sort of joked about this because when I watch him practice, whenever I've gone uh, over the over the years that he was there, especially for the first three or four years, whenever the media availability was, whenever the media was given access to the practice, like after they were done, Kawhi would just be working with two or three coaches on really fundamental moves like things that you would see uh in high school Mm. like you'd be like this dude's pump faking twice driving baseline reverse layup uh pump fake dribble left uh hard dribble once hard dribble twice pull up jumper uh little little things that you're like man that that seems so rudimentary that seems so like uh 
just so high school yeah. even to say um, and and then you would start seeing these little things in games because prior to that he was 3 and D he was spot up shoot it uh, he was kind of garbage a garbage man like go clean up the glass and put a ball in mm-hmm, uh, yeah. make a cut get to the rim but then you started seeing like two months later you started seeing him put these moves in action like you started seeing him developing these moves like that I saw in practice two months earlier and yeah. I was like this guy is just a he's he's just a science experiment for pop sure like, seems like he, him. <laughs> he, he's a he's a science experiment he's building on all of these little tiny uh, uh, everyday moves um, and just being super disciplined and we're seeing it all come to a head and I mean it's it's crazy to watch because you see him today and now he's starting to get more creative than he's ever been mm-hmm. but he can do everything he can he can post you up. He can fade away. He's putting like he's making hook shots. Yeah. He's pulling up from three. I think he did <laughs> like, a dream. He did a Hakeem. He did a sky hook the other day. I think. Yeah, yeah. The other night he did a sky hook, and it was just like this guy is. It, it's crazy to me uh, the ways that he's been scoring this season, mm-hmm. um, and he's almost at twenty five a game. I mean, it's just nuts. I, I never saw I never saw this coming. I was one of the I was one of the people who was writing early on like this guy is going to be special, uh, but he I, I did not I will admit fully that I did not see this like I did not see MVP candidate uh, Kawhi Leonard, but yeah, he's he's a freak man. It's amazing, he is, and he and he is all about basketball yeah, like is. that's all he cares about and that's why I joke about um, I, that's why I joke about he's like part of Greg Popovich's laboratory like I've <laughs> even I've even laughed uh, and talked with uh, Danny Green like do you does he come do anything with you guys like does he ever come out with you guys like you know do y'all go out he's like uh, eh, you know every <laughs> once in a while mostly he just kind of hangs in and plays video games uh, and hangs out with his mom, and and it's just it's like this guy, this guy, this this can't be real. This I mean, this guy cannot have fallen into the Spurs lap. Like no no more perfect player could have fallen into for Greg George Hill's lap for George Hill basically, right? right? For George Hill, and they got Davis Bertans in the same deal. Mm-hmm. They got they got Leonard and Bertans, who is. Uh, who is a really impressive player right now off the bench for for the Spurs? But and to yeah, tie it into the Suns one last time to end it here. It's amazing yeah. because Kawhi scored about eighteen today, and that's a three in a row that Tucker Tucker is he's basically what Kawhi is, but mm-hmm. without any of the ceiling. Like there's no there's no way that there's no way Tucker's gonna become Kawhi. But up until Kawhi's crazy breakthrough, Tucker is that player, but with more heart and more like um, words. Uh, yeah, but more emotion. emotions. Emotions, yeah. 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 But uh, the funny thing is, the last three days he's held, the last three games he held Kawhi to 18 today. He held uh, Carmelo to 13 and Anthony Davis to 14 in straight games. He is if he, if they can if they want to unload him to somebody if TJ Warren's ready to take over and is back from his head injury, Tucker would be a huge asset too. Uh, like I was saying 
uh, with the Clippers because they need him on the Clippers instead of uh, whoever they have there, um, B- Richard Bamute. Oh, Richard Bamute. Yeah, so yeah. so mean, yeah. that's something just oh, to think about. Yeah, they need somebody that's Tucker. They, I mean, they need Tucker. He is. I was. I stood next to him like I'm six seven ish, and I was standing next to Tucker, and I was like, he's listed like six four, and he's like six two. Probably oh, like yeah, PJ Tucker is not a not uh, not a super tall dude. Like, but he plays like, he's like not what he's... he plays by power forward, and he's like sometimes in some lineups, and he's like his his shoulders like bigger than my head, and it's yeah. like he is oh, yeah. he is he has the strength to do it, and he always gets fourth quarter rebounds. Like if you need a rebound, he's gonna get it. It's amazing, dude. Well, it's it's yeah. crazy seeing P.J. Tucker where he is right now. Because when I was in high school, that dude was, like, one of my favorite players to watch at the University of Texas. Yeah. Like, he was... He... He's so physical. Uh, he obviously had a... He had a long road to get to the NBA. There were... There were uh, stints all over the place. Yeah, he played in uh, um, Germany, I think, in Israel. And then he played yeah, he, for Toronto for a second, and... He, he was in the same uh, with Durant in Texas. At, I mean, he was... Cause... Oh, you know, yeah. He, I mean, he was he was all over the place. Um, and he was... Oh, he was so fun to watch. Um, he was so fun to watch in college, dude. He was so fun to watch. Nice. Um, but, man, if the, Clippers, if the Clippers were able to get that guy to fill in as their small forward... Uh, Oof. The problem is that Tucker's on a great, Oof. great contract, and there is nothing the Clippers have that they can offer. That's the problem. No, no, I know. That's what, that's what I was about to get to. Is that I don't know how they would get him. I don't know how, especially considering what is going on with the Clippers' salary cap situation, yeah. uh, that there'd be any <laughs> problem. A three-way trade is what have to happen. But uh, who, oh, would, yeah, who, who sure. would? I mean, someone would have to be a very opportunistic person to grab. Yeah, that's. Tucker and, and some not, other piece. That's not, that's not something I could think of off the top of yeah. my head right now. And really, uh, the biggest thing the Suns need. T- yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the biggest thing Go. the Suns need is they need to do what the Celtics did, and they need to consolidate talent. They need to, or what the Celtics still need to do even further, is consolidate some of these young pick, people picks. Because they, I mean, with all the people leaving Miami, the Suns are owed two Miami first rounders. Yep. In a little yep. bit here, and it's going to be those are going to be valuable. Um, so they, they really need to consolidate talent. McDonough can seem to pull everything out of hat. I mean, he got a first rounder for a in the tank Morris. So um. yeah, this is definitely a situation where the where the Suns need to look at guys like PJ Tucker and uh, Tyson Chandler. Even though I'm not sure how tradable he is, uh, where you you need to you need to maximize your potential going forward. And you got to keep um, veterans. You PJ, need to have veterans P, to teach. Yeah, PJ Tucker is. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's old, he's but he's sort of he's right. He's right in in that range where you know the Suns aren't the Suns aren't in competition to win a title this year, and they're not going to be in competition to win a title for a few years. So, uh, someone like PJ Tucker, who still has absolute, like absolutely has value. Uh, to a team that is looking to win a title, that is that is chasing a title, like he is absolutely still valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and the funny and, thing and is, man, he's playing well. Ooh, he's playing well. Now that he got uh, back to actually shooting his corner threes, although oh, you, yeah. if you saw him take that wing three, I was like, I have no confidence of him making it unless it's in the corner. <laughs> like I, like I see it coming, and I'm like, dude, please, please don't, please don't take a pull up jumper, <laughs> don't iso, just box out, do your little jump hook if it's got a small guy on you, and take corner threes and get all the rebounds. But he, he was getting like he, he was giving Kawhi hell tonight, man. He does it. Like he, he was. Uh, you know, and it's funny, like, even in the past, I remember last year, like, Booker's not afraid to get into Kawhi. Like, Booker both of those guys LeBron. were really getting into Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, um, Booker is, like, the hard fouler. He fouled LeBron really hard. Uh, yesterday, yeah. uh, last game, he actually vertic- he used verticality and took Carmelo out, and Carmelo fell and fell down just out, and they took the ball from him. Like, Booker can- Booker is the hard foul giver. <laughs> <laughs> He, he doesn't seem to be afraid to do it, man. Nope. And that's kind of, and, and, you know, that's pretty cool considering that he's so young and a lot of those guys will be hesitant to to go up against, like, the superstars of the NBA. Uh, and he is very clearly not hesitant yeah, to do that. Yeah, just wait till he actually so, has the muscle on him to actually play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, and, he, and he does have some size. Well, uh, you know, it'll, 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 He'll get he'll get bigger he'll get bigger. Um, he's six seven now, and he'll get a little bit taller. Probably he'll probably end up six nine ish. We'll see. I mean, yeah, uh, maybe maybe he'll get there. Uh, but in, in in just in general, yeah, I think that um, what we were, like what we were talking about. I think that uh, I think that finding a, a, a trade partner for PJ Tucker, and and it's probably going to be a situation where. It gets down to the deadline, mm-hmm. and someone's like, you know, we need we need this type of dude. We will uh, pay whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and they'll and they'll uh, they'll pump up any offer. Uh, they'll make it worth the Suns' while. So um, you know, and PJ Tucker is kind of one of those dudes who who is who is he's a good player. Uh, he is a really good player, and he's a very valuable player, especially to a a team, a title contending team, or someone who's looking for that extra edge, like on the perimeter, mm-hmm. uh, who can also really fill a void inside because he can play both. Like you mentioned, he can he can play bigger than his six five frame if he's even that. Yeah. Uh, so I honestly think that PJ Tucker is a super valuable trade piece. And the funny thing uh, is that you mentioned is that he is such a loyal Suns person that I don't know if he would, I mean, he, he probably doesn't want to, even though it's probably the best thing for him and for everybody involved. Yeah. He probably doesn't want to. Well, but, that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of players go through that, man. A lot of players go through the whole thing of, uh, like, hey, I don't want to leave here. This, this is a place that I enjoy playing, but once they get to a spot where it's like you're in the playoffs, you're challenging for a, for a title, even if you can make a deep run, um, like I think that sort of uh, grows on them. I think that whole, that whole experience mm-hmm. sort of turns like changes their mind. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable. Look, man, I'm, I'm as a just as a normal person, I, I'm. Uh, I'm somebody who's comfortable where I am. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like so I get the idea of, especially in a place like Phoenix where players uh, are, in general, uh, and 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 it's been a little bit up and down in places over the last couple of years. But in general, I haven't really enjoyed playing when yeah. things are going well. Mm-hmm. 
that was on Calandro like, was you're, there. You're, you're like, comfortable there. Like you're mm-hmm. you're in a place that you like to play. But I, but I man, I mean, just as the example that we were that we were sharing was like, if you end up in Los Angeles, buddy. I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy Los Angeles as an NBA player. Uh, <laughs> so, on so, that team with uh, those players and that nightlife, you're going to you're going to have some fun. Oh sure. my god! My well, god. this yes. was a great time. I love this was some great talk about the Spurs. I have never really delved into the Spurs this much because of their such a rival. But this was yeah. fantastic. Um, why don't you plug your next thing on Real GM, and then we'll like, get out of here. Yeah, man. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll be in uh, San Antonio on Sunday for Tim Duncan's retirement ceremony, and uh, I'll be writing about it at Real GM. Uh, it'll be up on Monday or Tuesday, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a, a that's gonna be an interesting night, man. Yes, it I'm will. Gonna, I'm looking forward to talking to a lot of people that night because it's, it's get, gonna be some, it's gonna be something else. It's gonna get pretty dusty up in here. Um, oh, for sure. And uh, what's your? Why don't you tell the people your Twitter handle? Uh, at Matthew underscore Tynan, uh, two T's on Matthew. Yeah. And how do you spell Tynan? T Y N A N. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Um, I'm Eric Sar. My Twitter is at under at Eric underscore Sar. Two A's S A A R. Um, and uh, check out more podcasts at SolarInsights.net. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.